If you are a visitor, uh, first of all, let me introduce myself. I'm Darren, and I'm the pastor here. We're so glad you came. We know there's a lot of really great uh, church communities in, in our area, and so we're excited that you uh, came and, and uh, visited with us this morning, whether you're from out of town or here. Uh, I would also like to announce that if you are a Packers fan, and I say this for your own good, be very, 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 very careful. Uh, I want you to know I could give a rip, honestly, either way, but just saying for your own safety, for your own safety, you might want to keep that to yourself. Um, also, if you're a visitor, you'll see this very uh, fashionable, very culturally relevant bracelet on my wrist. Um, if you're a visitor, I'd like to give you one of those. And here's the deal. We're buying these. These are being made by these uh, little kids in Africa that, are, that we're supporting right now. And we're buying them from them. And so it, it supplies. It's a twofer on this thing. It's supplying for them, for their food, and for their care. And then also, we're paying $10 for each one of them. And so in addition to that, then, there are these young men who are going to trade school in Togo that are older, young men and women, I, I should say, that are going to trade school. There's a Calvary Chapel trade school in uh, Lome, Togo, Africa. And so we send them $10 for each one of these that we give away. And you, by one day here, you give five, uh, a week, five days of school to them. It's room, board, and school for a week. So if you are a visitor, and I don't uh, see Swinney. If Swinney's here, there he is, handsome man. Uh, if you're a visitor and you would raise your hand, we're not going to make you do anything crazy. I'm not going to come visit you with a loaf of bread or nothing. But if you would raise your hand, uh, Greg will give you one of these cards, and you can hand it out uh, and at, the, at the coffee table afterwards, and they'll give you a bracelet. And again, just by you being here, uh, you're sending a kid to college for a week in Togo, Africa. We're not just handing out welfare. We're empowering. When, G, when the, the, the man at the temple gate said to P, you know, Peter and John, have you got money? And they said, we don't have money, but such as I have, give I unto you. He healed them. He healed the man, and he gave him not only his healing, but he gave him the ability to provide for himself and his family. So that's what we're doing with that. So thank you for doing that. If you've ever thought to yourself, can a fat pastor run 13.1 miles, you are not alone. I have wondered this as well. And so we're going to find out on uh, April 30th when I am uh, uh, waddling, perhaps. I'm, I, I think I'm going to be back with the, uh, the, 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 the concept groups, like the, the red hat ladies and the hula hoop people and the matching t-shirt ladies. That, you'll find me back there somewhere. But if you want to do that on, uh, with me, and we're, by doing so, raising money to send to Togo, Africa, uh, there will be uh, an application out back. Uh, and I promise you that if you think I, I will be the last one there, you thinking that about you, I assure you that is not true. I'll be there at the end with you. So um, the, la the last time I did it, by the way, I did it two years ago. And I, I, so I finished it, and it was like literally like I was going to die. But I'm coming up over the hill, and the guy that, that won the full marathon, who was from Kenya, had not only won the full marathon more than I had, he had time to shower, put a suit and tie on, and get up to the top of the hill and wave at all of us as we're coming in. It's like very discouraging. So that is... a. April 30th. Um, I'm going to make an announcement today that, again, and if you remember right, there are magnets on the top of each of these doors that you're going to, they erase everything that you're going to hear today as you leave out the back door. So you might want to make a note of this. On February 20th, we are not going to church that day. We are being the church that day. So we're probably going to meet in this parking lot, and we're going to then canvas these neighborhoods uh, around us, where the day before uh, that, our, our students and our teenagers will be putting little bags on the door handles with a little 
note that just says, if you could fill this with food, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll pick it up. And then we're going to donate that to the well, which is a, uh, a food bank in the Spring Hill area that's serving those that are being real hit, hit real hard by the economy. So, and here, here's the thing. We, uh, we've done this before, and it's great to do even with your kids. Just get out the little red flyer wagon and radio flyer, what is it? Anyway, the wagon, whatever it is, the Walmart one, and just tow them around the neighborhoods, and we'll give you a map that day, and you'll know this neighborhood is where I'll go, and just go and get the food off of their front porch. And it's a great day to go be the church. And so if, you, if you're not into that, that's cool, um, but we'd love to have you, and you're not going to be able to be here that day. So you might as well come with us. Um, so I'll be sending out information in the email, but I want you to be mentally prepared on that day that that's what we're going to be doing. We're just going to be, as a church, canvassing all the neighborhoods around us and, and I got to think that, you know, if you miss a Sunday of me speaking, uh, it ain't going to be that big of a deal. God is still God, and so you'll be okay. So come with us on that day, February 20th. And I think that, it, oh, one more, pre-registration. We are, uh, this is not our idea of how the government can find out if you're going to church or not, okay? I know you've seen the little kiosks out here. These are not hooked up to the government. These are just us. We just want to have a real simple and safe way to check in your kids. Um, and so if you can be a part of pre-registering, when we fully launch this on March, that one too, February 27th, um, then, uh, then all you got to do is you can bring your little Kroger card, your gym card, your Qdoba card, whatever card you have. You set up, you scan it, beep, and you'll, it'll print your kids' identities. If your kids have a, uh, an allergy, whatever, it'll print it right on the label so we can keep better track of, of your kids. Uh, and that starts February 27th. So if you can pre-register uh, these next couple weeks, it would be so easy. Beep, and you, know, and you print it, and, then, and you're done. So um, I think that's it. I have successfully, I've not, Kathy Holton in bold. Kathy, will you join us? <laughs> no, no, it's in bold print. <laughs> it's like, I think it was it. Kathy, uh, well, you know, I'll let you tell them. Well, um, I would love to take credit for this idea, but um, it began at the church I was at before. It's called Box of Blessings named after Lindsay Blessing, who started it at New River, New River Church. And this church was founded on missions, so I want to continue Box of Blessings at this church, and hopefully it'll just grow. The idea is to find a missionary, missionary family. So if any of you know of any, because I only know of the Blessings, um, please contact me because we want as many missionary families as we can get. Um, the idea is they are, uh, well, the blessings are in the Ukraine. There are things that they can't buy there, like peanut butter and Cheetos and hydrogen peroxide. So I have a list of things that you can sign up for, and some things are hydrogen peroxide. Um, Cheetos, on Cheetos are on the list. Um, Cornstarch. So you can do something with your children, you know, and go really inexpensive. Or they do have things like iTunes gift cards. Or um, there's something else in here. Oh, they have a couple of Bibles that they would like to have. And they do not have to be new. So if you've got an amplified Bible sitting around your house that you're not using that particular translation anymore, send it. And if you don't want to get one of these, you can also donate 
towards shipping. Um, we're going to go with a company that she used. Nothing was ever stolen out of the boxes, so that was nice that she didn't go through the U.S. Post Office. Um, <clears throat> it's $15 plus 99 cents per pound, and she said they ran about 10 pounds. Um, so see me afterwards. I'll be out there. I'm going to sign you up um, of whatever you're taking, and um, since we're not meeting here on the 20th we'll have everything back by the 27th I'll email you to remind you and then I'll get it shipped out so that would be appreciative and like I said we're going to do this like we would like get enough missionaries to have um, one every two to three months and if we get enough, we would like the villages to take over a missionary. And it does not have to be a missionary like in the Ukraine. It could be a missionary locally that they just can't afford to go out and buy things that they would really like to have. So see me. I would love to um, sign you up or sign up another missionary family. Thanks. So find Kathy afterwards. She'll be standing right outside this door. Um, and if you've ever been on an extended stay, which Ben Holton is with us this morning, Ben went on our behalf to Haiti for several months, and I'm sure he would agree that every day of beans and rice and sardine soup, that occasionally a bag of Cheetos just wouldn't kill you, right? It's kind of what you're looking for. So it's a good way to show love to those that are out there being our hands and feet. So, and Ben is back visiting from Virginia, uh, waiting for God's next assignment for him. Okay, I'm about to call an audible. Uh, Tamara is here. Tamara is in the back. Would you stand up and hold up one of your candles? Instead of you getting a fancy bracelet this morning, unless you want one, you can have one. Tamara has made these candles. She leaves with us on March 25th on a medical mission. She's a, uh, a nurse. She works in the NICU at Vandy with the little babies. Uh, very important part of our team. She's raising money for her and her daughter to go with us. If you would go afterwards, Tamara, and put those, the church will buy for every visitor that comes and hands in a visitor card, we'll buy one of those for $10, and you can take home a scented candle uh, for that and raise money for Tamara's trip. Is there a canned ham scent in it? No. Buffalo wing scent for today for the football? Salted and cured meat scent? No. Okay. So see, those will be waiting for you afterwards. If you want to take one of those candles with you, we'll buy one of those. And if, and if you want to buy those from Tamara, they actually don't smell like canned hams, I promise. They actually smell really good. Um, then, Veniz, what? That one. Get one of those at Starbucks, and you can go home and, and smell it in your, uh, in your uh, bathroom. So, uh, so see Tamara afterwards for that, but uh, if we could figure that out with Angela and Tamara, that you guys could get that figured out so our visitors could take one of those with them. We have a limited amount this morning. You could order those as well. Uh, Tamara's raising money to go with us. And let me tell you what, when you've been to Haiti, especially on a medical mission, you know that the babies, oh my goodness, there's so many babies, and they all have uh, medical needs. So it's very important that we get Tamara on that trip. So if you would, open your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 7. It's on page 997. Telling you what, if I ever win president, that will be my first act. Is I will, I will uh, pagination for all Bibles to be the same. That's be, that'll be my thing. Vote for Darren. I will make sure all your Bibles have the same page numbers. Just think about it. Romans chapter 7. We've talked about war for the last month and a half now. Spiritual warfare, the battle that's waging. And Paul says in Romans 7 verse 21... And so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. 
But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner, or a hostage, some translations say, of the law of sin at work within my members. God, we ask for your leading for us today as we dive into your word that you will make it be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path, that you would move in our midst, that I know that you have a word for each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So July 4th of 1976, it was the middle of the night. Four Hercules C-130 planes, big ones, were flying 2,500 miles at about 100 feet above the water. Not very high. And they were doing this to avoid detection of Egyptian radar. Their goal was to free hostages that were being held by Palestinian terrorists in Entebbe, Uganda. I was there in Uganda two years ago. I saw the terminal. It was very chilling to see how this happened. And it was also amazing to see how it unfolded because they were going to free hostages in an impossible situation. This was a daring rescue, to say the least. It took a lot of courage, took serious cojones. These guys, under the cover of night, were going to land the first of their C-130s in total darkness. No, no runway lights and attempt to free what was over 100 Jewish hostages. Now, this was crazy because they're going to see them when they land. It was, it was just fraught with difficulty. This was at best an impossible situation. But they landed this, and their plan was amazing and fascinating, which was the president of Uganda at the time, Idi Amin, which was a crackpot whack job that you might, have, uh, might know him best from the, the Last King of Scotland, that movie. Dictator at best. And what they knew was that he traveled around in a black Mercedes with a lot of jeeps, like a, a military convoy. So their plan was they brought a black Mercedes and jeeps. And they were going to literally drive right up to the airport in, these, in the black Mercedes and the jeeps because they knew that the, the army was ter like terrified of this guy. And so they thought if they see the black Mercedes coming, they won't stop him because they'll think it's Idi Amin and he'll be mad and he'll kill one of them on the spot. So they land the plane. The team's fly into action. The entire operation took 53 minutes from touchdown to wheels up. They unload the Mercedes. They unload the Jeeps. They drive up to the first of the two Ugandan sentries. Unfortunately, they did not get the memo that Idi Amin had just purchased a white Mercedes. And so the first guy in there was like, no, no, that's not the guy. And total James Bond style, they pop these guys with a pistol and a silencer, knock them down, and continue their deal. And inside of 35 minutes, they have entered the terminal, freed the hostages with very, very minimal amount of death. There were a few hostages that died, and there was the, the leader of the team, which was Yonatan Netanyahu, the brother of Benjamin Netanyahu, was one of the ones that died. He was the only one that died from the Israeli side the leader of the team, but they got these hostages back on the plane, took out a, a lot of Ugandan military that were trying to take them out, took out every one of the terrorists, and were back up in the air again before anybody knew what to do about it. It was an amazing rescue. It was called Operation Thunderbolt. Uh, it's just fascinating. And, and when you think of it in terms of what Paul is saying, which is, 
I am a hostage to my flesh. It's made me a prisoner. You see that in a war situation that sometimes prisoners are taken. And make no mistake about it that what's going on in the Middle East right now against Israel is a war. It's been going on since most, before most of you were born. All of us were born for that matter. It was a war and there was a hostage situation that required a daring, courageous, borderline crazy escape plan. And in war, which is what's happening in us, and some of you read that and think, I kind of recognize that. That's kind of me. I, like, I know what I should be doing. I know I shouldn't eat that cheesy fry, but I did it anyway. I know that I shouldn't look at that on the TV, but I did it anyway. Like, I know it, but I do it. And so you become, maybe you feel like a hostage. You feel like in this war that you have been brought into a hostage situation. And in war, throughout Scripture, there are metaphors of war. One comes to mind. It, was, <laughs> well, it wasn't a war that had standard guns and knives, and, but it was a war between two women. And, and everybody in here knows that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It was Abraham. <laughs> and Abraham, in his house, it was like an episode of Big Love gone wrong. Episode, he had Sarah. You might remember the, the story. He, God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he was old, like 90-some years old. They had not invented the little blue pill yet. And so it was going to take an absolute miracle for this to happen. And so... Just like we often do, they decided to help God out a little bit. And so Sarah says, hey, here's, here's my, my handmaid, it's, or my uh, basically slave, for lack of a better word, that's what it was, Hagar, that they got from Egypt. And so they, they help God out, and Ishmael shows up on the scene. Ishmael was his son. And I want you to know that he was a father just like you and I, some of us in here are fathers. It's, it's actually in the book of Genesis, if you want to go with me there. That's an easy one to find. Just be thankful I didn't say Habakkuk. Genesis, go to page one and go there. It's there. So he's saying to, I love the son. Well, let me just read it for you instead of me making it too poetic for you. Uh, chapter 21 of Genesis, I'm sorry. Let's just read this. Verse eight. The child grew and was weaned, speaking of Isaac. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. In verse 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly. Of course it did. It was his son. It was his boy. He was probably 17 years old at this point. And he says it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I will make the son of the maidservants into a nation also, because he is your offspring. And early in the morning, Abraham took some food in a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. Abraham has got two kids and he's got two women. And all living under the same household, trouble had unfolded, a war was going on, what do I do? And Sarah says, get rid of him. And he's probably thinking, get rid of him? This was your idea. I didn't even think of this, it was your idea. And God says, listen to Sarah. 
And Abraham, it says, distressed him greatly because he does something that quite honestly is a little disconcerting for me. It's like, because keeping in mind, Abraham was very wealthy. If you look back into the story, he left Egypt with men servants and maid servants and donkeys and camels and wealth. And he left Sodom with wealth and he's fully loaded. And this is his son that in Genesis 17, when God says, look, you did this one in your flesh, you, you called an audible Abraham and I can't bless him in that special kind of way that I want to, but I'm still gonna bless this new one. I'm gonna give you a son. And he says in Genesis 17, oh, that Ishmael might be the one that would walk before you, God. He says, please, God, let him be the one. And God says, I'm still in this promise, I'm still gonna make him into a great nation. And if you've been to Dubai, uh, Saudi Arabia, you know that he made them into a great nation. Very wealthy, very wealthy nation of people. A lot of chaos, but that's another sermon. But he says to him on this day to send him packing. And what he does that disturbs me is that he is wealthy and he gives him a, basically a bottle of water and a loaf of bread and sends him into the desert. If you've been to the desert, you know that a bottle of water won't last you very long. He, said, he, he gives him no provision for this journey. And parenthetically, I know we're talking about spiritual warfare, but parenthetically, I wanna say this. Moms and dads, Abraham is doing something in faith that we can learn from. What he's learned is that it isn't my provision, it isn't your provision, it wasn't Abraham's provision that would save his children, it was God's promise. And I say that because some of you have got kids that have wandered off into a desert place, have wandered off into far off places and you wonder, what can I do? How did I do, how could I do better? I, I need to provide, I need to fix this. And we need to remember that those promises that God made to Abraham, that he's given me promises, he's given you promises, he's given me promises for Madeline and for Ashley and for Lauren and for Ethan. Promises that say that in First Timothy, that, that everything that I would commit unto him, that he would preserve it until the day of its completion. The promise is, if I train up a child in the way that he should go, that when he is old, he won't depart from it. A promise in Philippians that says that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Those are promises that we can hold on to. We don't have to panic. Abraham didn't panic. I hate it when I panic. I do that too often, too much, when I try to swing into action and be God to that situation. And there are moments where it's so impossible, especially as a parent, and if you're not a parent, you'll understand this someday, but as a parent, you, as they get older and you realize I have so little control over this situation, that I can, instead of panic and freaking out, I can rest in peace knowing that it's God's promise and not my provision that will protect and guard my children. I don't care how old they are, how far they've wandered off, it's God's promises. You can bank on it. Now back to your regularly scheduled message. <laughs> he sends him off with no provision, wandering into a desert area, believing that God's promise would be his. Now the point and the reason that I bring this story up is that in it is a metaphor it's an allegory. If you go to Galatians with me, we're going to be there for a little bit. It's, it's a picture of the war that's happening inside of you and inside of me. In this picture, in this story, 
Isaac is the child of the promise. He represents the spirit, the new birth inside of us. Ishmael represents the flesh. What is the flesh? Galatians tells us, chapter 5, verse 17, if you're wondering, maybe you'll see some of the stuff that you're battling with in this list. It says that the sinful nature desires... I just ripped my page, so I might need your Bible. The (laughs) sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And it goes on down to say in verse 19 that the acts of the sinful nature, the flesh, are obvious. You don't have to wonder, is this for the flesh or is it not? It's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And the yeah, it's right. I know those. Those are the big ticket ones. I've seen those on the TV. Idolatry, witchcraft, which is the word pharmakia, which is where we get our word drugs, narcotics from. Hatred, discord, Mm, these are hitting close to home. Jealousy, fits of rage, anger problems, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Every one of us in this room can look at that list and start to see some of us, some of the things that we battle with. And it's real easy to take the big ticket ones and say, well, at least I'm not that guy. And then realize that right next to sexual immorality is anger. Dads, have you blown your top this week? That's in the flesh. And they're all on a level playing field before the cross. The acts of the flesh, that's what it is. And he says to us that in our flesh, day by day, there is a war going on. And in verse 17, he says it, that the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit contrary to the sinful nature. And listen to this, so they are in conflict with each other, a war going on. So much so that the entire verses leading up in chapter 7 talk about, why do I do the things I don't want to do? I didn't want to do that, and I did it anyway. And in this story of Abraham is a, is a picture, is a metaphor for us. And you think, Darren, I appreciate your enthusiasm. You're always saying, well, this is a picture of this, and this is a picture of that. How do you, how do you know that? Gang, listen, the best way for the Bible to be interpreted is let the Bible interpret the Bible. I don't have to make stuff up. Back with me, Galatians 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who are under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, an allegory, the King James says. He's saying that Abraham thought he was living out his life daily. What was happening was in addition to that, God was painting a picture. He was telling a story that you and I could look to today. Ishmael represents the flesh. He represents those sinful desires that we battle with. Hagar represents the law, the rules, the regulations, the rituals. Sarah represents a new covenant, a new promise that you and I have with our Father. A new way, a new covenant. And Isaac represents the spirit you and I inside of us. Do you see this? Is it unfolding? Is it making sense? Because what he's saying is that you and I, if we have this war going on in our house, our temple, like Abraham had a war going on in his house, that the way to solve it is to tell the flesh to tell the law to take a walk, to send it out with no provision. 
And it makes perfect sense. I'll read it. You don't have to go there now. Write it down and go there later. Romans 13, 14, why Paul would say, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. If you find yourself in a situation where you are there, and I think every one of us, every day when we wake up, find ourselves in the same situation with a war that goes on inside of us. Paul, I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. And if he's battling it, I promise you, everybody in here wakes up every morning with the same war going on inside. And how do I, how do you win? How do I make it so that I'm not picking up the plate of cheesy fries, that I'm not turning on that page of the computer, that I'm not flying off the handle at my kids. How do I win this battle? He says, make no provision for the flesh. To send it walking, and quite honestly, to starve it. Don't feed it. We need to learn the lessons that Paul would teach us in Galatians 6. In verse 7. Don't be deceived. And if you've, if you've nodded off, come back in. We're gonna, and then you can go back to sleep in a minute. But I, I need you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, this is a ticket that will bring you so much peace in your life. That they, uh, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature of the flesh, from that nature he will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. L listen to me. This is such an easy principle, and we miss it all the time. It's something that Paul made so simple for us. And it's this. It's really simple. If I sin, when I fly off the handle, when I go to that website, when I take one drink too many, when I go there, that is forgiven. It's forgiven because it was, Christ's blood was big enough and, and wide enough, and it covers all of that. And so it's not about your eternal salvation. Because God, he says he looks upon us, he remembers that we were just formed of dust, and he has mercy on us, and he knows that. But when we go down that road, when I begin to sow those seeds, not about my eternal security with my relationship with the Father, but about my life here. That if I sow seeds of destruction, seeds after the flesh, that is the harvest that I will reap. And that word harvest there, it's a stench. It's like stinky. It's like I have reaped a reward of a big pile of dog poo in my front yard because I've sown those seeds. And some of us, we'll pray. We go hang out and plant all kinds of seeds on Friday and Saturday and pray for crop failure on Monday. I assure you that doesn't work. When I begin to sow those seeds, it is an irrefutable, immutable law of the universe that I will reap after that. Gang, that's why God hates sin so much. Not because he's a giant buzzkill and he doesn't want you to see that movie. Not because he hates Eminem. It's just he knows that when you start putting those things in your mind over and over and over again, that you're going to reap a harvest after that of stench, of disgust. And the battle that wages inside of us I've said this to the junior high kids, and I've heard it somewhere. I can't remember where. You've probably heard it. But it's like inside of you are these two dogs. There's a black dog, and there's a white dog. Whichever one I'm feeding the most, the one that's growing strong, the one that is 
vicious and it will come back and haunt me and haunt you. Forgiven? Absolutely. Please don't misunderstand me, please. It's forgiven. But man, will it pay out. And some of you know that because you're living in the middle of a harvest of the stench that you have sown over the years. How do I, how do you stop it now? First of all, know this. It isn't about rules and it isn't about regulations. I mean, I, I like you, maybe in high school, I burned all of my secular CDs, which was just a bummer when I had to go buy them all over again at Bible college. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. I mean, it made for a good youth, don't get me wrong, but it was like, that. Ah, you know, fortunately I discovered a pawn shop and I got buy them for five bucks. But it isn't about rules and regulations. You know, I went to a Bible college where they said you can't have long hair. Now, we would walk with no sense of irony underneath pictures of Jesus with long hair and never once thought about it. But that was the rule. That was the regulation. It was the ritual. So don't understand me. We're not talking about making new rules and regulations. And the other side, you say, Darren, that sounds an awful lot like legalism to me. Here's the thing. Understand this. Legalism isn't about being a prude. Legalism in the Bible, Eve, the the first act of legalism ever, Satan approaches Eve and says, You know, hey, do you want this fruit? Do you want to sin against the Lord? And she says to him, what? She says, God told us no. Don't eat it. Don't even touch it. But that is not what he said. He said, don't eat it. She added, don't touch it. And then it became a rule. It became the first legalism in the history of mankind. And that's what we do. We build these fortresses of rules and regulations and judgment and high towers, blow them down. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a simple question, and that is the simple of the spirit that can lead you and can lead me into what I should or should not be putting into myself. We talked about renewing yourself by the transforming, or transforming yourself by the renewing of your mind. That's what I'm talking about. What I am planting in my soul. It isn't a question of is it Christian or is it secular. It's a question of is it holy? And what am I willing to put up with in my life? Maybe some weeds in the garden. And if I keep planting those, and again, I, I hope I'm getting this across. It isn't about religion and rules and rituals. It's you saying, is this something that God would want me to do? Is it something that, that Christ would have communion to do, communion with me in? And then it becomes about a relationship, and it becomes about that I don't uh, cheat on my wife. I mean, not cheat on my wife because of rules and regulations. I don't cheat on her because I love her. And it's a relationship. It's not a rule. I just don't. And that's what I'm talking about here. Which dog are you going to feed? Which one are you going to strengthen? Not out of rules and regulations, but out of the Spirit leading you. And if you don't think it's a big deal, then ask the king. It was a bad day in Israel when Saul came walking back into town. And he had a, a guy chained around his neck, dragging him in. His name was Agag. He was an Amalekite, and God told him to, to Saul, you need to wipe out all of the Amalekites. This is my command to you. Do this. And so Saul went to war, and he came back with an Amalekite on a chain. It was the king. And he's like, yeah, this is not a big deal. It's just, it's just one. He said, but God said to kill all. Why are you doing this? And he said, don't you know that obedience is better than sacrifice? You might remember that passage. And so Saul saying it's not a big deal. Now Samuel, the prophet, knows it's a big deal, takes a sword, hacks him down. Fast forward 23 years. Saul, on that day, Samuel said the kingdom will be taken from you. 
And on that day, 23 years later on the battlefield, Saul is losing. He is being beat down. And there is a man standing over Saul with the sword. 2 Kings chapter 1. You can go there later. And he has his sword raised over to kill him. And Saul says to him, tell me your name before you kill me. And this young man doesn't say his name. He says, I am an Amalekite. Did he kill them all on that day? Apparently not. The very thing God had asked him to do is what came back and haunted him, came back and caused him death. The wages of sin is death. It might not seem like a big deal. It might not seem that crazy. I can watch this and get away with it. Just ask the Spirit. Is it something you should be doing? And don't think I've got this all figured out. I don't. Anybody that's been any time around me knows that. But this is the seeds that we're planting as a whole, collectively and individually. Can we listen to the Lord? Can we say that I'm going to obey you in this situation? Knowing that it, doesn't seem, it didn't seem like a big deal to Saul, but 23 years later with an Amalekite and a sword over his head, I assure you he knew that God will not be mocked, that whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so I would encourage you today this. There is a freedom that you can have, and it begins with you changing your gardening habits. It starts today with you walking out of here and thinking, every time you go to turn on the radio, the dogs, which one am I going to feed? Which one am I going to strengthen? Not out of religion, not out of rules, not out of judgment. If you feel like God has allowed you to do this and someone else hasn't, don't judge him. Just This is what God is doing in you. What are the seeds that you need to be planting in your heart that you could reap a harvest that God says is this in Galatians back there with me before we land this thing. The fruit of the Spirit, talking about planting seeds, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If that doesn't define your life, I suggest maybe that you are planting the wrong seeds. And if you feel today that, man, I'm a hostage to this, this is going to, I can't stop it, Darren. That you might feel like a hostage in your own body. I don't know why I go to that internet site. I don't know why I talk to her a little bit longer than I know I should have. I don't know why I blew my cool with my kids. I didn't want to. Who can rescue me, Paul says, who can rescue me, the hostage in my own body? In verse 14, or 24 and 25, and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is your rescue this morning, through Jesus Christ. But it's got to start with you doing just like the Israelis did in 1976. Maybe it's going to take something bold and courageous and daring, an escape plan that is foolish and has a lot of risk involved. In fact, Jeff Fellers is with us this morning. I'm going to call an audible. Jeff and Sheila both. Would you come up front with me? Um, Jeff and Sheila have been the leaders of a Celebrate Recovery group in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at World Outreach Church for the last few years. God has given Jeff freedom 
from some, some things that he was a, a prisoner in his own body for. And it might mean something bold and daring and courageous like coming down here while we're worshiping and allowing Jeff and Sheila to pray with you today. Maybe that's the first step. Because I want you to go home and I want you to pour it down the drain. I want you to go home and I want you to install the software on your computer. I want you to go home and do something bold and daring and courageous. And it might start with this. And it might be an anger thing. I'm not saying if you come down here that you've got a sexual addiction or a drug addiction, but it might be an anger. It might be eating. Whatever that thing is that is trapping you, man, allow Jesus Christ today to be the one to rescue you. And then from this day forward that we begin every day, we're waking up, we're planting the seeds in the right garden, the right seeds, the right soul. And so if that's you, as we worship, know that communion is available for you as well. What better place than to remind yourself of the power of Christ than with reminding myself of the blood of Jesus and the, and the body that was broken. And if you just want a word of prayer, I know that Jeff, he's been down this road. He leads others out of this captivity, hostages free. He's like God's secret service, man, breaking them free. He and his wife can pray for you. I'll be here to pray for you as well. Yeah, why don't you come over here? And just as the Lord leads, as the Lord prompts, I just ask us to worship. Just guys, do what you do. And know that in this atmosphere that if God has led you to have Jeff and Sheila pray with you today, there's no shame in it. There's no failure in it. Do something bold. Do something courageous. Take the first step towards freedom. Father, we... Thank you for the freedom that you've given. It is for freedom that you've set us free. Not to go back into bondage again. We know that we're secure. We know that your salvation is in us, that you've changed us from the inside out. And for those of us today that are just, just need a boost, just need to do something bold and courageous, that we could, we could be free. We do not have to live this way. You just don't. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys worship, and if the Lord leads you to, Jeff and Sheila are here to pray with you.